This is Lloyd Minster's show. This is local that matters to you. Local people. Local events. Local news and sports. For Lloyd Minster and area, this is Live with Kurt Price from the new Lloyd Minster Nissan. Well, hello and welcome inside the new Lloyd Minster Nissan. There was no winner in the Chase the Ace raffle last night at the Lloyd X, so that jackpot is uh, really jumping. We're going to get to that in just a moment. I do want to let you know that Mayor Gerald Albers is with us this morning, and great to have him here. We're going to be talking about uh, a few things. Uh, we missed the April visit. We did. So it's great to have you here for our, our, our May visit, or maybe we'll call this the April visit. We'll call it the April May visit. The April May. There you go. There you go. So, yeah, no winner last night on the Chase the Ace raffle at the Lloyd Mr. Exhibition. So the jackpot now starts at $350,000, and there are just... 13 cards remaining in the deck. You can get your $10 ticket in person at the Lloyd X. And here's the thing. You can pick that up today, tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday till 4, Wednesday until 6 p.m. But note, on draw day now, they have made the cutoff at 2 p.m. So whether you're buying e-transfer or on your credit card, you have to do it early. So get it in today because yesterday's winner... Who was Chris Molly, by the way? There's a name everybody recognizes. Yeah. Chuck Wagon. Congratulations, guy. Chris Molly. Yeah. Now you can run at least one more weekend. <laughs> $22,000. Holy catfish. That might buy a horse. That... And definitely buy a couple tires for that truck of his. <laughs> yeah. So get your tickets now. Because, again, there's so many times, even here at the new Lloyd Mr. Nissan, the afternoon comes and people start scrambling about getting their tickets. So in order to get those tickets and make sure that you have it and you're ready to go, uh, just e-transfer to Chase the Ace at LloydEXH.com or go to the LloydX website, www.LloydExh.com. Hey, Kurt, I got to ask you, did you pull that card last night? Or was it your... No, no, no? it was... Um, was it Dan uh, Gentleman from the Goat. Yeah, Dan, Dan Soul. Oh, okay. Yeah. So are you yeah. up next? Who's no, the... I think it's John. Yeah. I think it's John. Okay. And then I think it's you. Uh, and then yeah. Doug Rodwell. I believe you're right. Yeah. Okay. So, Ooh, so goodness. There's, still no, there's a, a lot of pressure on people that pull that card. People it, don't realize that, eh? It is. Either you're going to make somebody really, really happy and a lot of people mad or vice versa. That's the strange thing about it, though, is because once they pull that name, you have everyone in that place cheering against you to pull the ace, <laughs> right? Yeah. Nobody wants you to pull the ace except that one person That's and their family, or if you're a friend of theirs, yep. I imagine. Or a group of you will, you, you know, you'd want to pull it as well. But for me, it, it really hits you when you're like, this could change someone's life. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? Can you imagine getting a call? from Bucky or whoever makes that call. Oh, I get a call from Bucky probably five, six times a day. I'm sure you do. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> but you never just, good call. <laughs> you just won $350,000. That would take care of the, the very average person's house. I'm sure their mortgage that's remaining, take care of the car loan and put some money away potentially for the kids university college fund. Just incredible. What a life-changing experience. Absolutely. For, could mean somebody starts a new business. And could mean we, absolutely anything. We yeah. couldn't help a better organization than Lloyd Minster X. Yeah. Uh, you know, we all have been to the X for one thing or another or more. 
And uh, I know my life has changed. I haven't eaten a ro great roast beef dinner like they serve at the X for 15 months. You and I have yeah. had the opportunity to do that once or twice. And uh, kind of took yeah. it for granted. <laughs> Really? Yep, yeah, absolutely. You take the place for granted and all of a sudden. So, you know, folks, if you can help out, this is an opportunity to help the ex, but also help yourself. Get in, get a ticket. Yeah. They're also selling tickets on a bread heifer. $100 a ticket for uh, bread heifers. There's 50 bread heifers yeah, or $100,000. Yeah, I'm looking at some of those members of the board that I might need to run some cows if my wife is lucky enough to win. Yeah. Uh, she's uh, she's the rancher in the family, so we'll see if uh, we, can, <laughs> we, can, we can grow the herd from what's in the deep freeze to actually on the hoof so yeah. and only 2500 tickets sold absolutely so you know you look at the odds of winning a hundred thousand dollars and we talk about three hundred fifty thousand being a life you know life changing hundred thousand dollars is nothing to scoff at. <laughs> there's nothing to sneeze at for yeah. sure for, for sure. a lot of people it clears up some bills absolutely <laughs> Uh, the other raffle that's going on is uh, She Shed raffle tickets. Are you selling tickets? I'm on? not selling any tickets directly because of the Legion. Uh, but uh, I am a member of the Legion. But yeah, I, I know uh, I've heard Heather Clagg is talking about it a little bit. And uh, definitely a great, again, a great opportunity to support another great organization. It's been tough for the Legion as well. And, uh, you know, a, a, a She Shed, hmm, that's an interesting opportunity. Yeah. I wonder if that's rentable to be a He Shed because <laughs> I don't have a man, man cave in my garage, even though we have that discussion about my tools so it's all good <laughs> now correct me if i'm wrong though like we talked about the legion having a rough go of it and they have had a really rough go of it but it seems to me like they've really turned a corner like they've done so many great things at the legion they've had so many suppers and, and yep. things like that and uh you know things just seem to be going right for the legion now yeah i think that you know you take something for granted right and the legion has been there we've had members of the legion you got to remember that uh, the, the Legion really grew after the First World War, then the Second World War. We had lots of veterans come home and uh, and support it. Well, we've lost a lot of vets. You know, you think about that when you see Remembrance Day, and we, again, we, we'll do it in public hopefully this fall. There's not many men and women that served in the Second World War that are alive. And since then, there's been the Korean conflict, and there was Afghanistan and folks that helped in Desert Storm and all the things that, that way. But those numbers are decreasing. There's a few. And then there's also members that served during peacetime. They didn't actually serve in one of the, the battles that, or wars that we've uh, Canada's participated in. But again, very important service as well. I know they take in members of the RCMP that have retired yeah. as members and things like that. And it's, it's a great organization and they, the work they do for youth as well as the entire community and just supporting veterans because we owe those people an awful lot. And uh, if they, they get around, but you know, PTSD is a challenge and it's, we, it affects people of all sorts from police, fire, military, as well as day to day. And, you know, having that Well, support, now we're seeing it in nursing. Nursing, absolutely. The challenging in healthcare today. So yeah. that that's something that it, it doesn't show the battle scars like a wound does, missing, uh, possibly losing an arm or a leg. But those scars are there. And helping just have that support mechanism, being able to sit down and visit with those folks and feel comfortable about the surroundings, very important. So tickets on the She Shed are available from uh, Legion members, like you mentioned, Heather Cleggis. She's happy to sell you a ticket, be very happy to sell you a ticket. They're only $10 each. And uh, once again, I think there's only like 2,500 tickets printed. Yeah, I think, again, a limited number of tickets. 
and $10,000 cheese shed. So, and, and a great second and third place prize as well. And we talk about raffles. The Kinsmen are holding a raffle. Uh, tickets there are $10. Get them before May 31st, and you'll be eligible for all the prizes, including the May 31st draw, uh, which is for a steel fire pit from Foremost. So they've got some other great prizes, including beer for a year from 4th Meridian, and then the uh, pit boss there from Home Hardware, which will come later on. And uh, they're selling less tickets even. They're selling 1,500 uh, tickets. So Kinsman, another great organization in Lloyd that has really done amazing things in the community each and every year. And they're always looking for ways to get involved. This is, you know, raffles are huge right now because you can't have an event and enjoy that delicious roast beef, really. Absolutely. Unless you're going to get it to go. Which is what the Lions are doing. They're hosting a medieval <laughs> drive through on May 29th at the Lloyd Mr. Legacy Center. And they're also doing a toonie draw and some kids coloring contests and things like that. And we're going to find out all the details about this on Tuesday when the Lloyd Mr. Lions come uh, visit us and tell us about that. The other thing they've got going on is a toilet. Yeah, they got a toilet. Yeah, and, and I want to talk about that. You had a toilet on I your got, lawn. You know, yeah. Every day, you know, something new happens in my life. And one night I get a knock at the door, and I go to the door, and there's a gentleman that says, I'm with the Lions. You know, Mr. Mayor, we'd like to put a toilet in your front yard. It says, first, how did you find my address? <laughs> Which I, uh, I well, that will be uh, discussed later. But yes, I, I, was, I, was, I was honored and privileged to have the first toilet <laughs> with beautiful plants show up in my front yard. And some of the neighbors were over to investigate because they wondered what was going on. Why do I have a toilet in my front yard? And I said, well, it's a great opportunity to fundraise because this toilet could end up in your yard. You mean you pay somebody to put the toilet in your yard? And I said, you could do it that way too. I believe they'll, they'll take money either way if you want to support the Lions or if you want to send it, pass it on to a friend. There's so you a, just send it on somebody, it cost you money to send it on? Yeah, I, I made a donation and so okay. I gave them a suggested address and location to send that toilet. Too. I think I know where you sent it to. He lives not far from my house. Actually. I believe that's the case. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was going down a list. <laughs> we used to have that cancer toilet. Remember the cancer, the flush away cancer toilet? Yep. Absolutely. For years we had yeah, that. Brad yeah, Lake Brad had that Lake. Uh, Yeah, we'd move it around. Yeah. And again, it showed up at City Hall once or twice yeah. or three times. I've lost yeah. track. Yeah, we'd move that like, and you'd put money in it and it would flush. Yep. Absolutely. Every time you put money in it, it had a motion sensor detector and it'd flush and kids loved it. Yep. But the problem was when you... <laughs> We've made a lot of money from it. It was really good. But the problem was you go clean out the toilet and there'd just be blank pieces of paper because people just want to hear it. flush out putting money in it. But it raised a lot of money. It was Absolutely. very, very good Absolutely. for the Canadian and Cancer And I, I hats off to the, to the Lions being creative, yeah. uh, thinking outside the box again. And yeah, it was terrific. I love the flowers in the toilet. It added to the, <laughs> uh, to the dimensions. So... And we've been lucky enough to not get any snow in Lloyd yet, but wow, is it cold. Well, hopefully we won't get any snow and we'll get a warm up here and those that haven't put their gardens in can put those gardens in. Home Hardware Building Center would like you to grow a row. Basically what they'd like you to do is plant an extra row of vegetables and then donate those to a great cause like the Olive Tree or the St. John's Anglican Church drop-in. And when you do that this fall, you can use the hashtag on social media, use uh, Grow a Row YLL, and then that'll get you entered to win a $100 home hardware gift card. So that's another great thing that uh, a lot of people do anyway. They just, they just plan to do it anyway. You know, they love gardening. And then all of a sudden you end up with that extra bucket of potatoes or carrots or whatever it may be. And you go, what am I going to do with it? 
the olive tree, uh, the St. John, uh, St. John's Anglican drop-in center, another great organization. Uh, the, if you're able to drop out at the men's shelter, I'm sure they'd be able to take it. There's a lot of opportunities in the community to support. Absolutely. And uh, the memorial uh, procession for Bob Troop will start today at 3 p.m. from the Lloyd Mister Exhibition. Troopers service will also be streamed live at the exhibition at 2 p.m. The procession will travel down 49th Avenue until 27th Street, where it will move on to Highway 17 and into Boundary 4. I know you're friends with Bob Troop. Yeah, Bob was a, a, a great were. supporter of our community and uh, Bobcat Hockey. You know, uh, if there was Bobcat Hockey, but you'd find Bob there. Bob always could take time and tell you about the Bobcats oh, yeah. and uh, and the uh, AJHL. And, you know, just, uh, again, uh, just another strong supporter in the community. Really glad to uh, thank him for his support. And, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's left us now, but he, he'll have made a definite mark. And I'm sure the Bobcats will recognize that going forward. Absolutely. It's, uh, you know, we, we haven't been able to honor a lot of people the way we should so this is a way to do that yeah. to, to, to honor a guy who you know we had leanne wildeman on the show and uh she you know you know darcy you know yeah. darcy wildeman who's you know both of those people leanne and darcy have become major parts of our community with the kinsmen and Canets, and, and they Absolutely. do so much in lloyd and she told me that it was darcy when he first started working at ulmer who met bob troop and it was okay. bob troop who said took him around and showed him and introduced him to people in the community well now that transfers to one of the you know, a very, you know, a legacy that lives yeah. on, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and there's some great coaches out there in this community that have taught a lot and yeah. shared a lot with people on all sorts of fronts. I, I, I said that I was asked one time, when I, when I first got laid off, I was asked, why don't you just leave? You know, you could, you could go work in, you know, another community on the radio. I'm sure you wouldn't have a problem getting a job or something. You know, you could apply for radio jobs everywhere else. And one of my answers was, when you meet guys like Vic Juba, Ken Baker was another yep. guy that you meet. Bob Troop is another one of those guys that you meet and something rubs off. Something about this community rubs off. You want to get involved. You want to do more. Just, I don't know. This well, I think it's, it speaks for the community, Kurt. Uh, a lot of people have uh, come to do their uh, apprenticeship or uh, practicum in this city and never left. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we get a lot of engineers that arrived from Husky and they, some of them didn't even want to leave when they got transferred out and made other choices, which, and other professionals and, and just laborers and people, they, they love the city. It's a great city and uh, it becomes home and yeah. it grows on you. You're a transplant. I'm a transplant. Yep. You look around, a lot of people are transplants in this community. And you know, what brought us here was opportunity and there's opportunity each and every day. When did you move here? Uh, the spring of 2005, I believe it was. So uh, I remember when you moved here. Yep. Because you were a big listener. Actually, I was on the air with Colleen Valentine. You were. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And you called in once in a while. Yeah, just to call yeah. in and tra 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 straighten you two yeah, out because you didn't right. always have the facts. So yeah. I figured somebody had to throw the <laughs> throw in the two bits. <laughs> and you guys were a lot of fun. And, and uh, now times have changed. How uh, now I always have the facts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's debatable, but we'll talk about that later. And we're going to talk to Mayor Gerald Albers uh, more about what's happening in the city when we come back here at the new Lloyd Mr. Nissan. How are you doing? It's often asked as an opening question for small talk, but at Synergy Credit Union, we know the answer can mean much more. Did you know that your physical and emotional well-being can be impacted by your finances? You can check your financial wellness score to see if you're on the right track to reach your goals. And if you need to make some changes to get where you want to be, we're here to help. See how you're doing at synergycu.ca wellness. 
Diamond 7 Meats, we work with local farm families to provide a high-quality product and a great selection for you. Try our mouth-watering Smokies, pulled pork, roast beef, and more. Made pure and natural with no additives or fillers. We offer custom processing, and our experienced team works for you to provide a selection of sausage, burgers, and jerkies made to your specifications. Take your grilling to the next level with a Yoder Smoker. Complete the grilling experience with a Canadian-made, award-winning line of House Q barbecue sauces. We're locally owned and operated, and we look forward to seeing you today. Hello. Hello. Hello, Spiros. Steel in Lloydminster is the key supplier and largest indoor inventory of steel between Edmonton and Saskatoon. Locally owned, PWM Steel offers a wide range of services from steel cutting and bending to custom sign and powder coating. PWM Steel uses aluminum products as well as new and recycled steel. Key supplier of steel products and services since 1982. Visit their website at pwmsteel.com. Local people, local events, local advertising. To advertise on Live with Kirk Price, call 780-522-9433 or visit forgesmedia.com. Well, once again, thanks for joining us here at the new Lloyd Mr. Nissan and Mayor Gerald Albers is our guest today as he kind of checks in. And, and once again, Gerald, thanks for your time. Really my pleasure. It. My pleasure. You've always been so uh, generous with it. And sometimes the questions come a little bit heavy towards you on this program. And I appreciate that you face them head on. So, <laughs> well, it's, uh, you know, that was one of the things going back to 2016. Uh, let's be transparent. And uh, I know it's got to be, we need to be transparent. We've got to be open and honest. And uh, we'll give everybody what they can, we can give them. There's things that happen in camera, as it's called, that uh, deals and actions that are going on in the background. But if we can talk about it, we'll certainly discuss it. I'm not foreshadowing today's questions, I don't believe. There's any real hard ones, but uh, Saskatchewan's reopen plan. Very exciting time uh, for uh, Saskatchewan and uh, there was a time when we maybe looked at going with the Alberta uh, side of things. You had that option, didn't you? Well, not yes and no, and I'll try and explain that. Here's that uh, split answer. Because I know you when, got a call. We we did, and I had a discussion with both premiers at uh, one in the morning and or one in the afternoon, and then one the following morning, and they they both agreed they'd support the actions we took, but uh, when it comes down to the law and following the rules. 
the Lloyd Charter, the act that governs how the city operates and how city council operates and all, all the pieces that is provincial legislation said, we follow the Saskatchewan Public Health Act is applicable across the city. So when Alberta started this whole process, they started it as a health issue, which didn't apply to Lloyd Minster. Saskatchewan started it as a public emergency, which didn't apply because Alberta's public emergency rules apply to our city. So we were in a void. Then Saskatchewan a week later moved it to the Public Health Act and Public Health Emergency, which took uh, precedence and away we went. And we followed Saskatchewan ever since. We've had our ups and downs. I know there was about two to four weeks in the last year of 15 months that people were saying, oh, Alberta was better. Yeah. But, uh, and I don't want to put one province against the other, but I think that our restaurants being open, maybe only seating four at a table and all the other pieces that have come along, it's been hard. But I can tell you it's been a little bit harder for the folks in Alberta. You know, people say, well, why is Saskatchewan doing better? Uh, I'm on weekly calls with minister, with ministers from the government of Saskatchewan, with other mayors. Simply, it's a population size. You think of Saskatchewan's 1.2 million, give or take. Alberta's 4.5 million yeah. almost. That's a lot more people in a, in, a, in a distance. You compare Edmonton to Saskatoon. Think of the number of people and how close they are. So those are challenges, and we know that it, it travels from person to person uh, as a virus. So well, it has the ability to. So it's just one of the challenges. Uh, you know, it's hard because I sit on meetings with the Alberta mayors, and they talk about the challenges they have, and I just kind of sit there quietly because on a telephone or a conference call and go, well, I think we're pretty lucky. But, you know, I know it's been hard because I still got people saying, well, these rules, the whole rule thing, and it's tough. We're going to get through it, folks. That's the good news. We're on the, I'm hoping on the downhill side. So with the reopen plan, with us opening and being so close to Alberta, yeah. do you anticipate any problems? Well, you know, that started way back when we were going to open and Alberta wasn't. We had people booking, I heard from hair salons, where there was people in their 90s that were going to drive out for the day and get their hair cut, and they were concerned and this and that. I think because the number of vaccines are, there's a, a great deal of vaccines been uh, provided in Alberta. We've got a similar in Saskatchewan. I think people, the mobility, and that's that whole question about why we didn't have regional versus, well, should have locked down Edmonton and Calgary, but we're okay out here as an example. That's true. But think about how many people jump in a vehicle and drive to Edmonton for something. Medical appointments, visiting uh, family, or going shopping. Yeah. It, it's it's a, a foregone conclusion. I go back 35, 40 years when I was a little younger. Going to the big city was a big trip for two and a half hours for us. But now uh, people go uh, for various reasons. And I think the mobility things changed so much. So that's why they haven't went with the regional concept. I think it's great that people are discovering our community because I this has happened before the COVID. People would come in and be here for a meeting and say, hey, I spent some time downtown. I didn't know you had a great downtown. I says, yeah, if you get off 16 Highway, there's a lot more to our city than gas and food and stopping to use a restroom. Yeah. And I think that's the important piece of it. Yeah. Um, Alberta's kind of catching up too. They I mean, are. You look at the numbers are dropping and they their are. vaccination rates are way up. Yeah. So they're they're they are kind of catching up. But. They're doing they're doing the best they can. And again, you know, there's no vaccine being produced in Canada. So again, it's waiting for supplies to come in and working through the federal government because it all ends up at the, the federal government has ordered all the vaccine. I understand. Then they distribute it to the provinces, and that's the way it works. So 
the province is giving out as much vaccine as they can get their hands on from the feds. So you don't want to, like, or, or do you kind of want to encourage people from Vermilion Wainwright to come into the city and be able to go out for supper? And You know, I, I, I certainly... When it happens. To, when it happens and they feel comfortable. I, I want to make sure people feel comfortable in, in that perspective. Uh, you know, social distancing is still, as we talked about, still there from that perspective. If you're bubble, if you've got a bubble in Wainwright or in Vermilion and you've got two couples that want to come over, terrific. I think that's the case. And I know I'd like to get back to visiting some of our neighboring communities for meetings and friends and family. And uh, it's all part of it. But certainly we are open for business. And I think every uh, a community in Alberta wants to remind people and Saskatchewan, support local. That's We've talked about this yeah. lots in the past. The need to support local has never been greater. So if you have the opportunity to, to have go out for supper, you don't have to leave Wainwright, but if you do, you're, we certainly welcome you here. But support those local restaurants in Wainwright, in Vermilion, in Kitscotty. Because those folks have had a tough go of it, just as we've had a tough go of it. And hopefully we can get the six to a, to a table pretty soon. And we've got some other things that are going on to get people outside and enjoying that beautiful outside when it warms up. Yeah, not any real dramatic changes with May 30th with the with the cha- the first phase, right. but phase two will be phase really two is, dramatic. Uh, phase two is much more dramatic, but um, the good news for phase one, for those that want to go to church, it's going to be a big change to be able to go back to 150 people or 30% of the capacity of the church. And I've heard that from a lot of people. We have a lot of churches in this community. A lot of people attend Sunday service or whenever their service is provided. And not having that ability to gather in more than 30, socially distanced, and you got a church that holds 500 and you got 30 people, and it gets pretty empty. So, and I, you know, again, the rules are the rules, and I appreciate people following it, but I think that's one of the big changes that people, as well as graduations and gatherings outside. So, you know, if you want to host a graduation party for your graduate this year, you've got an extended family and a series of friends you can actually have a fairly reasonable gathering outside, again, following all the rules that are in place for social gathering. Yeah, coming in phase two. Yeah. Yeah, coming in phase two. Um, The other thing that you mentioned is, it kind of, will that change our state of emergency? Once things, you know, start to happen and and we're opening up, especially when it gets to phase three, which looks like it's going to be in July, does that end, the finally end, after it'll be, what, 16 months, the the state of emergency? Uh, The state of emergency will likely stay in place until the end of step three because it just provides our team staying up to date. That information process, uh, they're not meeting as often as they have, but uh, the coordination, because... If something changes tomorrow, guess what? That's We've got to be able to respond to that. People, I don't think, realize that that the city has some obligations because we've shared with the government as fast as they bring forward steps, people are going to expect the city to be just right there, and we're going to do our best. And I ask people again to be patient uh, as the steps, as those change, because we know there could be some fine-tuning, and that's the message we've sent back to the government is if you're going to fine-tune things before you announce it to the public, give us at least a week's head notice or more so we can ensure that if something can be open more or we can open something that isn't open, we want to be ready. But then on the other side, as we often hear from people, well, why are you spending money on stuff? Well, we want to be ready to, to provide for the re- uh, recreation and cultural opportunities in this city for residents and visitors. But if we don't know what's coming. We just don't, you don't hire somebody tomorrow and put them in the job the next day. There's training, there's all sorts of pieces to it. So we want to ensure that we've got everything in order. Well, we've seen this coming for a while, construction. 
particularly on the big corner by 62nd Avenue. Yeah. That is a, a huge job. Half a year, Gerald. Half a year could be rerouting traffic. I know a lot of people will look at that and say, half a year, that, that's too long. It is. It appears too long. And I'll remind people, as I've really come to the appreciation, we can only do construction when the frost comes out of the ground and we're done when the frost basically hits the ground or you get so cold you can't lay down asphalt. And I don't want to talk about former highways and other projects where you can tell when asphalt was laid when it's too cold. So, with a couple things for people to remember. There's going to be a concrete intersection that's going to be concrete. In that concrete, it takes 30 days alone just to cure before anything. So that's after it's poured. So you've got to dig it out, put down the gravel base, get it all prepared. Put down the rebar and all those pieces. Pour the concrete just in that window before the 30-day clock starts on the concrete. And you know what? We got this beautiful thing called Mother Nature. I think everybody remembers last Monday when we were sweating to death. Yeah. And Tuesday <laughs> night you were putting the park on and then uh, working outside last night. It was kind of cool. So that we don't know what Mother Nature is going to throw. So we have given a pretty long window. But if we can short, if they can shorten it up, if construction goes well, it'll be as short as possible. Trust me, we're not going to wait. Oh, it's been six months. Ding. We're going to now open the road. The road will be opened and the work will be done as soon as possible. It's in the contractor's best interest. It's in the city's best interest and as well as the public's. But if we don't leave enough time and go through the process and do it right, because I've heard from people before after being elected in 2016, are you going to do it once or are you going to do it twice? We're going to try and do it once. That's our intention. And when grade seven's over at ES Laird, or yeah, I think it was grade seven class, said, why do we fix potholes twice ago? Sometimes it's imperfect, but, you know, <laughs> winter fixes, and sometimes we do a winter fix. If a hydrant breaks or a line breaks, they put a temporary patch in place, and then they go back now, and we'll do a proper paving. But just so people know, it does happen occasionally. Was that on the podcast they asked you? Uh, yeah, that was. Yeah. Uh, uh, actually, yeah. They really I, put I, the gears to you. They, they do. They're a great group of kids <laughs> over there, you know, pretty sharp. And I think there's a little parental influence if that's the case, just to make sure that they get the, get the questions in. But I appreciate it. And that's, you know, that, that's all part of it. And it's important to talk about things like that. Any other major construction happening in the city to watch Well, there's for? water and sewer lines. Uh, I believe that's on 50th. Uh, there's going to be work throughout the city, and there always is. Um, then we approved Summit Council the other day. That's not going to happen till fall, and that's Lake J over by JC Park. People will say, well, it's not raining, get at it. Well, we know rain can come in a day's notice or less. So uh, that work will be a fall winter type work project because you want to try and tackle projects like that when there's the least possible chance of running water because we're putting in a control structure in the lake and managing stormwater. And again, it's timings, everything. So there's one of those that can be done in, more in the winter than it is in the summer or springtime. So uh, there will be work continuing as well as we've got people out cutting grass, making our city look beautiful. There'll be street repairs, the street sweepers. Please, folks, if you see the sign and it says we're in the neighborhood street sweeping, please help us with parking because the street sweepers want, those guys want to do as good a job as they can and make your street look great. But if they've got to go around three vehicles, they have no choice. We don't tow vehicles for street sweeping and uh, we want to just get it done and move on. And it takes time because there's a lot of streets in this city. The mill rate is on the verge of increasing. 
So that means taxes are going up. For the, for the majority of people in our city, the taxes are going up. Um, this is not going over well with uh, some, a lot of residents, uh, yep. particularly on social media, yep. you see a lot of residents uh, that have had a tough go of it. I mean, yep. there's no way to, to beat around the bush. People have had a rough go of it in 2020 particularly. Yep. 2021 has not been much better for a lot of people. And now they're looking at a tax increase. So this is an interesting piece because I should have brought the paperwork over. Some people will see a tax increase. So, so the, there's three steps to this. And I'll, I'll just walk through that and bear with me as I go through this because it, it, they all play a part. First of all, the city creates a budget, which city council approves, with the addendum that it may have to change last December. And that said that we're going to spend X number of dollars in the city. We expect this much money from grants. It's going to take money from taxpayers to deliver the services and the goods, the road construction, grass cutting, the arenas, the pool, all the pieces that make our city a great place. Then the assessors do their job and they do a property assessment. Every property in the city is assessed and reviewed annually. Sometimes every five years you should see an assessor in your home. I had one not come into our home due to COVID, but they asked us to fill in a questionnaire. So questionnaires are sent out just to confirm the details of the size of your house, what's going on in your house, if you've finished your basement, your garage, put in air conditioning, put in heat, because those are all enhancements to your home. And that's the assessment. And then that gets interesting because people say, well, I can buy my house a lot cheaper than you're assessing it. That's true. But it works the other way. When the market was up, we didn't assess houses for the value they were trading at in the city. So assessment moves up and down, just like the price of houses does. But the assessment determines the value. Then at the end of the day, we have the total assessment for the city. All the value put together and says, okay, there's this much assessment. We need this much for the budget makes a tax request. So they come forward and say, we need $37 million from the entire city's tax base to make the city operate. And then we get a mill rate. And that mill rate will move up and down based on the assessment and based on the tax requirements. Who sets that mill rate? The mill rate is set. Administration brings it forward. They do the math because it's a calculation. It's a mathematical calculation. So the mill rate could go down, but if your assessment went up, you could still be paying more tax. So it, it, it it's kind of a it's, a, it's a move. It's always moving. And people will say it's always moving up. And I won't disagree from the perspective that over our time, taxes have gone up. Uh, I hate to throw mud at the federal government because we work with them, but called the carbon tax. Anybody looked at the price of gas lately? Uh, we've all, we feel it. Everything the city does involves gasoline in many cases or energy, be it your heating bill, your swimming pool, your uh, rinks, the artificial ice has to be, there's, a, there's energy involved. The freight that we get, the merchandise we purchase, it's reflective. Uh, I've been doing a lot of looking at inflation. On average, inflation last year, it's hard to believe, was 2%. So take 2% more, it costs you 2% more to do business. So what does the city have? We have a choice. We can either roll back, we could A, have an increase, B, no increase, C, reduce taxes. A, let's just go through the scenarios. So if we, we have to reduce or increase taxes or potentially increase taxes, and that's going to depend on your assessment, like I say, what happened on your assessment of your property, to cover off the cost of doing business in this city. 
B, we could have held taxes and taken it out of reserves and simply said, okay, we either do, do reserves or even cut projects and programs. And C, we could have reduced taxes and reduced, said, okay, we're going to now limit that there's not going to be artificial ice 365 days of the year, give or take whatever those items are in the city. Uh, the, the swimming pool is only going to be open five days a week instead of seven. All those things, those all cost money, so they come back to a portion. And there are user fees. People say, well, I pay to use the pool. Absolutely. But there is not one recreation facility in this city that makes money for the city. It's subsidized by the taxpayers, which enhances this great experience we've been talking about. Bud Miller Park. People love walking around Bud Miller Park. Spring, summer, fall, winter. Those trails are maintained. The grass is cut. That costs money. So those are all pieces to it. City Council is very cognizant of what people are saying and the challenges in the, the economy and the community. At the same token, I have yet to have one person tell me services that they receive they're willing to sacrifice. Oh, we, you know, we get lots of great compliments on Bud Miller Park and on our recreation facilities, culture, supporting the Vic Juba, the, the new museum building and things like that that are going on and the work that continues to go on. But at the same time, that money doesn't grow on a tree. Well, Gerald, in a tough year, like we've seen the yep. last couple of years, why not go with option B? Why not take it out of the reserves? Well, the, one of the challenges you have is when we got elected in 2016, I'm going to go back a full election, we found the reserves were not at a point that we could do a lot of drawing on. And the other problem is, and I'll use that same analogy today, well, we take out of reserves, where is that reserves going to come from in the future? So if we take out of the, that limited amount with the piggy bank and we're facing some still challenges on in infrastructure, uh, we're going to continue to face those challenges. That money may not come from the province or the feds. So if we have to go to the reserves rather than increase taxes significantly if the reserves aren't there. So it's, we're trying to be as fiscally prudent as we can to look at the long term for the city. And it's challenging. There's no happy medium. Uh, if somebody could say there's no cost increases going on, perfect. I'd gladly jump on that wagon. But we're faced with that challenge. And I know it puts a little strain, it puts strain on many people, businesses, saying, well, the city's going to take a little more. We've tried to be as reasonable as we, we believe we can be to deliver back to the services. Because, like I say, that's, that's the factor. Um, we're, not, we're not heating a city hall or any other building with actual hard money. We're not burning it. We're, we're trying to make good use of it as best as we can. And we live in an imperfect world. If I could turn the clock back 20 years, I'd love to, but we can't. And that's one of the challenges that we have. So some people have said, okay, we'll, we'll spend less. And I, you know, uh, in my conversations I've had with people, what services do they want to give up that they receive? It's easy for me to say, hey, I don't use the swimming pool, so why don't we close the swimming pool? But what about all those kids? that don't get the chance to swim or adults because I talk to adults that use the pool regularly for their because of their health conditions and things like that because that's what they can do to exercise as one example and I can tell you what it costs for an RCMP officer and they're not cheap but they do a great job but there's a cost so if you take away youth activities and they don't have somewhere to go and do, things to do and there's a lot of opportunities in this community which is great and they do find some mischief 
costs a lot more to deal with that mischief than what you're, you're looking at in that tax increase, I can tell you that. Because it, it, there's a waiting game, and it's something that council looks at really, really hard. Uh, administration hears from council, and I think they've got a very good understanding of the challenges. And they, they're quite aware of it as well, because we live in the community. They pay taxes in the community and are active in the community. So it's something we don't take lightly. I see you getting attacked sometimes on, on social media as well, you personally, and people will say, well, Gerald Albers, when, when he was first running for this election and back in 20, was it 15, 2016, 2016. Um, he said he's not going to raise taxes and he's raised taxes and yep. he keeps raising taxes, that yep. guy. Yep, absolutely. Trust me. Uh, uh, I grew up in a, in a farm family and taxes were talked about. <laughs> it wasn't one of those favorite things. And again, I go back to when not sitting in the seat, I did say, and people will quote me, you said you wouldn't raise taxes if I didn't have to, is that maybe we missed that piece. But I, to not raise taxes, that's great. I, you know, every politician would love not to raise taxes. I honestly believe that. Be the most popular politician. Be the most popular politician. Yeah. But where's the money going to come from? And we, A, we can't run the city into debt from the perspective that we can't operate as a provincial or federal government in a deficit. We have to have a balanced budget. So if you want the services, they have to, we have to be able to balance it when we go to budget. At the end of the year, if we don't make it, then we've got to take out a next year's budget to clean up last year's budget. So that's by law. That's what municipalities have to do. It doesn't matter if an urban or a rural, well, that's the way we have to operate. So yeah, it's challenging. Um, you know, one of the challenges that I, I'm most frustrated about being attacked personally is if you have a question or if you don't believe what I'm saying, let's sit down and talk about it. I will take appointments at City Hall. We may need six feet of distance and have to wear a mask, but I'll meet with people. If you send me an email or phone, we will get you the information because we still get people raising concerns and we deal with them every day. And I just want to make sure that people have the information because unless you followed along GPC to a council meeting, there's a lot of information. People will say, well, you made that decision. You didn't have that much debate. If you go back and look at the GPC meeting that week or two before or a month before, some things have been to council four or five times before we actually make a decision. And it is thoroughly discussed and debated. There's seven people that live in this community that form council and they take this community very seriously and they put in a great effort to ensure that they are aware and ask some good questions and make sure that the information is made available to people so that, that it's not just flying off the, off the handle and uh, an instant decision. Well, should mention, like, here I am asking you about, you know, personally being attacked. And, and what I mean by that is not only you, there's council members that you see get attacked uh, a lot of times too. So, yep. so that I hope that kind of answers for, Absolutely. for each and Absolutely. every Absolutely. I, 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 I know every council member will be more than glad to explain any information, if somebody thinks there's information, yeah, you know, uh, you know, we're on social media today. So it has a place, it has a fit, but before somebody wants to uh, question some things, make sure you have all the facts. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the challenge. Facts sort of separate uh, the myth. And I, I think people get, say, oh, this is tied to this. Yeah, we've got a lot of things going on. If you follow the council meeting, they don't uh, last for 20 minutes. We're there for the afternoon. <laughs> Believe me, I've watched. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and there's some great discussion, good debate, and that's what it should be. That's what we're there for. We are 
are not, you know, there's many people say, well, why aren't you guys more involved? Well, there's a lot of pieces to governance because governance is setting the direction, making the, the final decisions. Administration does a lot of work in the background and sometimes that we don't always agree with that work in the background. We don't always vote uh, for everything the first recommendation administration makes. Sometimes we send it back for more information because that's our job. Their job is to bring that information forward and once the decision is made to see that it's done. It has been a tough year for a lot of people. Is that why you took a pay cut? Yeah. Uh, when the last year, I guess it was before the election, so I've got to get my, try and get my time frame set, there was a committee of three local business people struck uh, that volunteered. Uh, we reached out to them, and three totally unrelated businesses, business people, and asked to take a look at our wages and how things were done from council because we are the only people that get to vote on our salaries, right? Yeah. That's, that's the way the system's set up. Imperfect as it may be, that's the way On it is. On all levels of government, really. Absolutely. So the, uh, the, the, the three business people sat down, uh, worked with our administration. They asked for information. The administration brought it forward to them so that they could do comparisons. They looked at provincial ministers' wages. They looked at other cities and things like that. And at the end of the day, I think I took a three or $4,000 pay cut compared to what, where it had been at down to what they made the recommendation. And I lived with the recommendation as counselors did as well. And I think that's what's important. You know, did I take an actual 10% cut? No, but like I said, it was, it was, it was over 5%. So I think it was around that 5% mark. So that's that perspective. And we, like I say, that'll be reviewed in either two or four years i can't remember but it'll be done before election time because it's not it shouldn't be and again i like the format having three business people look at it from that perspective and people say well why business people why not somebody that's a wage earner from the perspective that some people compare us to a business because i often have business people ask well you know if you were running if yeah. i was running that business i'd yeah. be cutting and i go absolutely <laughs> you might be but we are in the customer service business when it comes down to it you either expect your roads swept graded plowed patched paved uh, water and sewer you expect that water to come out crystal clear out of your tap and you expect it to run out of your pipes and be gone and don't want any headache then you go to the arena you expect the zamboni to be run the ice to be smooth uh, the curling rink and i just go through that list we're in the customer service business that's the toughest business you can be in you've been in that business kurt i have uh and a lot of businesses today, are actually yeah and it, we don't we don't other than land for property development that's the only real goods that the city sells everything else is a service and we strived for that and we're going to continue to do that we're looking at continuous ways of making customer uh, customer service improvements and the city's efficiency at the same time but uh when it's service nobody you know i i was in the sales business it was the quality the service or the price so which two you get two out of three which one do you know <laughs> one are you about right and that's a challenge and it's huge it's absolutely huge and we're, we're in that customer service business. Our team strives really hard, but it's not easy when you get yelled at by people that say, why can't I get in that facility and who put these darn rules in place and stuff like that. Our folks take a lot of, take it right in the year. And I feel for them and I, we, we support them because no one, doesn't matter if you're a private business or you're municipal government, provincial government ha has the right to abuse people. That's, that's the bottom thing. What do you want residents to take away from this strategic plan? There's a lot in that plan. 
Uh, I think when people read it, they want to see things like, um, oh, the new arena is coming in five years or something like that. So you're not going to find any of that. What do you want people to take away from it? I think the strategic plan is an overarching view, high level. I often talk about that 40,000 foot level. You could fly over this city. And I had the chance just a couple weeks ago, Dennis Voss was kind enough to take me up for half an hour. We toured around a new wastewater treatment plant at 1,000 feet. And I'll tell you, when you're a thousand feet above this city, you get a whole different perspective of the city. You go, oh, wow, and you see the surroundings. You get, imagine at City Council, I'm using the example 40,000 feet. This is the overarching document of where we want to go. At the end of the day, it's, it's just, it's a vision and it's an overview where, what we'd like to accomplish in four years. So I think it says we do have a plan. It is in detail that says we're going to fix street, uh, one street in one year, this street in two years. That's what our team at the administration works on each and every year. But they also know we want to continue to improve road conditions and the infrastructure in the city. Infrastructure is key because that's what people look for, uh, be it water, sewer and roads. From the perspective, we, you know, we want to ensure that it's economically viable to be in business here and that we're attracting new business. And we've got people knocking on our door, which is great. And there's going to be some great news come out, I think, this year and early next year as people say, this is a great place to invest, do business, attracting new business. We've been known for that for a long time. And yes, COVID put a little dent in it. But in the same token, we want to get back to that from that perspective. And people will say, well, if you lower taxes, everybody will come. We go, okay, well, not everybody came when taxes were, we met, we've had 20 great years in this city, 30, 40 great years, and we're still growing because there's still opportunity. So that perspective. So the strategic plan is something that, you know, we will be looking at it annually for a review, sitting down with administration, and I hope the community says, well, where are you at with this? And it's laid out. Some of it is in different quarters in different years because we can't do everything at once. It's spread over a four-year. And as one of the councillors said, we can accomplish 95% of that list. We've done pretty good because if you set a personal goal in four years or I set goals in four years, it's people actually look back and say, oh, yeah, I wanted to do this, this, and this. Did I get it done? Heck, I have a hard enough time getting through on my Saturday shore list. From council meeting, you mentioned the council meetings can be very, very long. I was watching it, and I, I saw you guys um, say that you'd like to keep the RCMP. Instead of going with an Alberta uh, policing service, there's been talk in Alberta yep. about bringing in, or bringing back, actually, you should say. Yep, provincial police. Yeah, provincial police in Absolutely. Alberta. So why now, when, when, when that isn't happening? Like, well, it could happen down the road, but it, it isn't happening anytime soon. So why now say, we're going to keep the RCMP no the, matter what? Well, so right now the province is just waiting to release a report that they've had done looking at it in much more in-depth. So it started with the Fair Deal Panel, I believe is the title, that looked at it and said, you know, you should look at it and have a provincial police force. In the last couple of weeks, I think people, uh, I heard about lots of people, had people in their hot tub enjoying a hot tub and all of a sudden they looked up and there's a helicopter hovering above them and going, I think I'm going to move into the house now. That RCMP helicopter was here working with the local detachment and seven or eight other pieces of the RCMP, right down to the emergency response team to alert to other uh, major crimes, dealing with some challenges that our city was experiencing. And those came at no extra cost. I didn't, we're not gonna get a bill from the RCMP for saying, oh, here's $500,000. 
additional services provided by outside resources with the RCMP. That was fabulous. And the work that the RCMP do every day is incredible, right? Um, you know, chances of encountering the RCMP are usually pretty slim. A, you're getting a speeding ticket or you've been talking on your cell phone, distracted driving. You may be witnessed an accident or a crime or you've been a victim of, an, of crime. 90% of people fall into that category or more. So the RCMP deal with some challenges. They deal with, the, uh, with people that have been involved in crime and some of them are very light to very serious. They have resources that uh, across the country, within the province, adjoining provinces. That's one of the challenges that we're concerned about the cost going forward for the provincial police force. What can we expect? Yeah, they could have a detachment here, but that helicopter, do we have to pay for that helicopter to fuel and wear and tear? Helicopters don't come cheap. They're about 600 and they were $600 an hour years ago plus fuel. I can't imagine what a helicopter charges out now, as an example. And all those pieces, there's been in the, the since, you know, we were talking about moving here in 2005, Numerous times the RCMP have brought in resources to our city to solve a crime, to find a missing child uh, at, at the landfill that they believe was there. Um, yeah, you know, there's, there's different times. Those come with no extra cost. And there's that concern, what's that going to cost? So, you know, we wanted to let the province know. I've looked at the reports, <coughs> excuse me, that uh, have presented. The city of Red Deer went down this road. They decided to stay with the RCMP rather than create their own municipal police force. Uh, I believe it's White Rock, British Columbia looked at it. They stayed with the RCMP. Surrey, British Columbia is going through the other way. The mayor of the day and council decided they were going to go back, they were going to have their own municipal police force. Uh, they're 28 million past, I believe, their budget line now and still growing. So there are costs that people say, and I, like I say, I, I don't want to get into the federal provincial argument about different things, but from a perspective of getting the service, the RCM pro provides our city great service. With June just around the corner, has there been talk about opening the outdoor pool? There sure is. So administration is working through that now. Uh, it's going to need a pretty good deep clean because we didn't open it last year, yeah. of course. Yeah. But there are the full intentions, again, going back to the reopening roadmap from the government of Saskatchewan, following that, we will get another water body open for swimming, namely an outdoor pool. Uh, I don't have a time frame yet. Again, following and making sure social distancing factors and things will play into that. But we are going to have the outdoor pool open in 2021. And how much of a relief is it to have the work started on the wastewater treatment plant? I have I talked to you many times about how the wastewater treatment plant is not a sexy project, <laughs> but a project that I know weighed on you personally when you... Uh, back in 2016 even yeah. so this was going to be a big project and and i remember seeing you the day that you got a grant and you're like don't say anything but we got a, we got we got a grant and, and you, you look like you were walking a little straighter even that yep. day <laughs> yeah uh, you, you weren't know, carrying so much weight on your back <laughs> it's been a it's been a really interesting road on that and uh, you know people i'm sure are getting tired of me talking about it three years to get the grant money in place uh, three governments uh, including the, plus ourselves, you know, it's going to cost the taxpayers a little bit of money that uh, again, same thing that didn't, it's not coming for free, but in the same token, it is really exciting to go out there. Like I say, flew over it. There's a crane. If you drive out to the landfill, you'll see this yeah. big red, red crane up in the sky. 
they've laid down a lot of rebar already. The concrete's going to be being poured as soon as that's ready and all formed up. Local concrete, of course. <coughs> Excuse me. We've had great local support from the local construction and subtrades uh, to this point, and we'll continue on. It's, it's really exciting. It really is because, like you say, it isn't sexy. It's not a new arena. Yeah. It's not a new swimming pool. Uh, it's something that is part of the system. And Like I say, we're talking about what the city does for service. You flush and you don't want to see it again. But our folks deal with it. They deal with it every day and they do it as best as they can with the tools we've given them. We've got new regulations that have to be met. And it was kind of funny because I, it was tough uh, giving a speech on the federal government for a minute on behalf of Minister McKenna. She's the very minister. That's why we had to build the wastewater treatment plant when she was in charge of Environment Canada and climate change. And then she was the minister responsible for infrastructure. And thank you very much. We were, we're glad we could support you. <laughs> yeah, it was an interesting... <laughs> you know, this is a strange game I'm learning uh, from that perspective. So, you know, we, it, it's a great project. I'm glad it's done. It's going to serve our community well for the next 20 years when it's completed. Uh, there will be opportunities. You can tour it. And they're going to be doing a live uh, updates from the perspective that uh, the website and they, they're going to have a camera so you can actually watch the progress. Nice to have it done. I just want to go back to the uh, policing thing. Um, I was told the, the helicopter was in town for training. So <laughs> they were here doing, uh, I guess it's always training, it's, yeah, it's, everything yeah. they do, but they, they were involved in uh -huh. ensuring that, uh, that the folks on the ground had the best information that they have available and it aided in, in some well, investigations and, and some activities that the RCMP were carrying out. I think a lot of people kind of figured it out. A lot happened that weekend. There was, there was a yeah. lot of activity. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we are very fortunate. I think our city is very safe. Now people will argue and say, well, I got, my vehicle got vandalized or, but I know seeing the numbers, a number of vehicles leaving our city or being stolen or down, which is good. And I encourage people, make sure you lock your vehicles, folks. Make sure you take out any valuables. Don't leave them in sight and things like that. Just good practice. Uh, from the perspective, it's been challenging from the, uh, the uh, person to person issues and mental health has played a part of that with the folks. COVID's played, has been tough on everybody and uh, it has resulted in some issues that we're not really happy about, but they have to be dealt with and the RCMP have helped deal with that. So, you know, uh, overall, it's, I believe you can walk down most streets in the city, if not all the streets, pretty much any time and feel safe. Uh, you know, some of the challenges that we got, we went to LED lighting. Our, our sidewalks aren't well, as well lit anymore, I hate to say it, because of the nature of the dispensing of the LED lights, but they're still lit and you can, you can make your way around. Uh, we've got great trails and they're not lit because there's reasons for that because they were never lit to start with. And how much lighting do you want? Because again, that would have been that urban pollution or light pollution that people experience. Uh, Gerald, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. It's yeah. always great to your questions. I appreciate your questions and the frankness, because I think it's important that people hear that. And uh, if it's on their mind, let's talk about it. 
Gerald Albers. Thank you so much, Mayor Gerald Albers, for his uh, time again with us. Now, uh, we're heading out today. We're going to go see uh, Jed and Crystal Oster in the St. Walberg area. Going to drop off a fantastic meal, uh, courtesy of some great sponsors for Feed the Farmer, which we're so glad to be able to uh, bring back this year. Uh, we've got Richardson Pioneer. BASF is on board. Sobeys, of course, has been a part of this. Diamond 7 Meats, Agland, the tent guys. I got a text from Jed this morning, and uh, he was just wondering, like, hey, should I set up a table? No, you can bring a table out. Set that up for you so you can feed your crew. You bet you stand back and, and, and watch you do that from a distance. So congratulations to, to Jed and Crystal Oster. They already have the seat in. It's done. So that is fantastic news for them. And I know they'd love to be able to invite some of their neighbors over. But, of course, we've got this COVID <laughs> thing. And there's the uh, seating thing as well oh, for their right. neighbors. They yep. said, well, the neighbors aren't even done seating anyway. So they're still giving her. But we look forward to coming out and dropping off that meal for you and saying thank you for all that uh, that you do uh, for us. And we have so many farmers throughout the Midwest that we want to say thank you too. So keep those nominations uh, coming in. Uh, we're closed this weekend. New Lloyd Mr. Nissan will be closed on Saturday, closed on Monday to uh, celebrate the warmth that the May long weekend will hopefully, <laughs> hopefully bring. <laughs> and uh, back here on uh, Tuesday. And of course you got today and you've got tomorrow. And then when we're back on Tuesday, I will be back on Tuesday with you here live uh, from the new Lloyd Mr. Nissan. And we'll talk to our Lloyd Mr. Lions Club, find them more about the toilet was on the oh, mayor's yeah. Watch out lawn. for those moving toilets because they're not just one. There's at least two. Oh, and I don't yeah. know if their population, if they've sprung up more. <laughs> it's like the, it's like Border City Connects. Yeah. yeah. There's more than one. <laughs> more than one. And uh, we will talk about that and more Tuesday from the new Lloydminster Nissan.